Hello and good morning. It's Tuesday, the 16th of October, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world. Today, we get our theme song back. Volvo and NVIDIA partner up. Self-driving cars will make us fatter. And Mercedes and Waymo take huge leaps to a fully autonomous future. All this right now. But first, as it's the first episode of the new week, a quick recap, as always, to last Friday's Friday Poll Day. So last Friday, I, well, I put out the interesting question. It sounded a bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's actually a really serious one. How do you think autonomous vehicles will defend their occupants against criminals who surround the cars with the intent to commit a crime against the vehicle, passengers, or cargo within? Was it A, drive over them, B, evasive maneuvers, exclamation point, C, summon the police, or D, something else, parentheses, explain. So I actually discussed this briefly in last Friday's episode in which I was thrilled and honored to have as a guest on the show an interview with Dan Piotkowski from the University of uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, where he's the assistant professor of regional planning. So we discussed this this topic, which, again, it sounds really kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's it's a very serious thing to consider because, remember, autonomous cars are presumably currently and for the, well, for the indefinite future, hopefully, uh, you know, imbued with the first law of robotics uh, as drafted by one Isaac Asimov in his Robots series of famous science fiction novels, which says, you know, a robot may never harm a human for any reason whatsoever. Um... And so that kind of raises the interesting question, right, which is sort of what's an autonomous car to do if it's transporting passengers and if it is indeed surrounded by some thuggish folks who decide to, well, harm the vehicle or certainly the passengers within. What indeed are they to do? So uh, anyway, I think it's a really relevant question and one that I've really not heard discussed or read about elsewhere. So head on over to twitter.com slash autonomous hogue. And um, have a look at the results of the vote. Somewhat frustratingly, this particular survey, although it got many, many impressions in the Twitterverse, I don't know, people seem a bit shy to cast votes. So unfortunately, there's not too many insofar as producing a statistically significant result. Nevertheless, I think the what few results we do have are certainly interesting. So do head on over and take a look. We can discuss it if you have any questions. Hey, don't forget that if you love this podcast, you can leave a testimonial for the world to see over at markhogue.com and, of course, a five-star rating and review over at iTunes Podcasts. So please head on over. I promise to be here when you get back. Thank you so much indeed. So Volvo has always been synonymous with safety. It was the road legal tank that you bought for your family and loved ones if you wanted to make sure they came out intact on the other end of the journey. Obviously, Mercedes and BMW and many other manufacturers besides have certainly also produced really safe vehicles and indeed produced some of the most revolutionary technologies geared for safety, whether it was anti-lock brakes, airbags, and so on. But thanks to a clever bit of marketing, which was in fact a very real stunt in which Volvo stacked many, many Volvo station wagons, one atop the other, just to demonstrate that none of their roofs would crush, including and especially the one down at the bottom, it really kind of cemented its position in history as the safest car you could get. 
This then is probably no surprise why Volvo has really dived headfirst into full automotive autonomy. And this started really back in 2016 with the release of its just mind-meltingly beautiful XC90 SUV. This, of course, was the first fruits of Volvo's uh, investment from Chinese firm Geely. And although uh, the money is very much Chinese, the car itself, it must be said, is still totally Swedish through and through. Manufactured, built, and designed in Sweden, it is still very much a Volvo to the core of its DNA. And what better way to showcase that than, of course, with Volvo's ongoing dedication to safety, this time in the digital realm with full autonomy. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Well, pushing forward in Volvo's mission towards fully autonomous vehicles, uh, Volvo's just announced that they're going to be partnering up with NVIDIA specifically. Uh, and yes, that NVIDIA, the same NVIDIA that allows you to get maybe 60 frames per second on your favorite game on your home PC. Yeah, so NVIDIA's got a new processor out called the Drive AGX Xavier computer for its next generation of autonomous vehicles. So as an aside, if this sounds vaguely familiar, um, that's because you've been paying attention. NVIDIA have, in fact, been producing uh, hardware and indeed software for quite a few manufacturers now, not least of which including the likes of... Uh, well, let's see, Uber was using their hardware uh, for its self-driving cars, although not for the actual self-driving car platform. Um, Mercedes' parent company Daimler has used uh, NVIDIA hardware and software. Uh, Volkswagen have announced that they're going to be using it for their upcoming Drive iX platform. Tesla have been using their software as well. Tesla, of course, famous for its belief that uh, computer vision is currently and will forever be a vastly superior solution, both technically and financially, over the current status quo, which is LiDAR. So NVIDIA then, really no stranger at all to autonomous car tech. So the fact that Volvo now are partnering up with NVIDIA, I guess not so surprising, um, but nevertheless, pretty cool to hear this. Uh, the cars themselves are expected to start rolling out in the early 2020s. What's interesting about the hardware itself specifically is, um, and by the way, this hardware was first announced by NVIDIA back in September. It turns out that the kit is designed to allow up to level four autonomy in certain areas. It'll, it'll initially roll out, of course, with simply level, well, I've never heard this particular uh, qualification before, but level two plus capabilities. Um, this should put it more or less on the same playing field as current Teslas. So... Certainly not fully autonomous, but certainly better than anything else out there currently. I say that, but then there's news about Mercedes' upcoming S-Class for 2020, which is really going to have level 3 autonomy. Now, 2021 seemed a long way away, but, well, look, 2018 is really uh, nearing its end, which means we're almost into 2019. So really, 2020, just a little over a year away, and of course, as you know, uh, car models come out in the preceding year. So that S-Class, 2020 S-Class should be out, I would guess, sometime in the summer or fall of 2019. 
Um, and yeah, apparently it's going to have full level three autonomy. So that just kind of serves as a pretty exciting upper bound to show that, well, a somewhat pleasant surprise, somebody not Tesla, not uh, Volvo, uh, are going to be rolling out a vehicle with level three autonomy towards the end of 2019. I think it doesn't take much stretch, much leap of an imagination then to presume that Tesla will continue to maintain the lead. I think then we're going to see a properly level three Tesla sometime in the first quarter to first half of 2019, of course, regulations permitting. So um, anyway, really exciting this uh, to see what NVIDIA are up to and sort of where they're headed. Uh, I'll have more for you on this as it comes my way. So autonomous cars have for several years now been really promising a an almost utopian vision of the future, and as well they should. At the very least, they will help remove the astonishing 3,000 deaths per month, at least here in the U.S. alone, which as a horrific, tragic, historical reminder is roughly a 9-11 tragedy every single month. You know, you extrapolate that for the entire year, you're looking at something pushing 40,000 deaths in the U.S. alone due to automobiles, a thing which almost all of us engage in every single day of our lives. So at the very least, there is the safety element. Um, at most, and I should say at best, autonomous cars offer just hugely improved convenience and luxuries in life, not to mention increased productivity. The fact that you can now get from A to B, well, without driving, so that you're free to do up, do other things, right? You can get more work done. You can take a nap. You can, well, do lots of things in the car, I guess. But the point is, um, there's one really crucially, and I should say potentially tragically overlooked downside to autonomous cars, which is, well, if we're not careful, they're going to make us a lot fatter or at least a lot sicker generally. Here's the problem. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So my wife and I used the San Francisco ferry service to get across the bay and into and out of San Francisco for our commute. And there's obviously no debate about this. It's a far more pleasant, relaxing, pleasurable, more beautiful way to get in and out of San Francisco than obviously sitting in gridlock traffic, especially on San Francisco's little streets, which are really far too small for modern cars. Um, yeah, I mean, apart from the occasional traffic jam due to some sort of feeding frenzy with seals and whales and birds, there's really nothing to it. Every once in a while, though, we will tend to drive into the city for any number of different reasons. <clears throat> and apart from promptly regretting our decision to do so, um, one of the things that we can take solace in is the fact that uh, we're able to use a car which has semi-autonomous driving functionality. Now, this is really nothing more than um, fairly advanced lane keep assist and, for lack of a better term, traffic jam functionality, meaning the car does a really good job kind of inching you along in stop-and-go traffic to such a good extent, actually, that you really don't need to worry about it. I mean, it's really pretty perfect in stop-and-go traffic. Um, and what we've noticed is in 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 the couple years that we've enjoyed this, um, we've noticed that we tend to sort of do drives that we would not necessarily have 
previously done before, or at least we tend to do such drives in which we know we're going to be dealing with bumper-to-bumper traffic rather more frequently than we would have done in the past. Um, To put it a different sort of way, in the past, we would never have done, say, a particular stretch of drive during rush hour because we just didn't want to deal with bumper-to-bumper traffic for, say, 30 or 40 minutes or so. Now, though, okay, we're still not really too keen to do it, but we're certainly less averse to it than we would have been in the past. Now we think, okay, big deal, we get in traffic, turn on the uh, autopilot, and we're kind of good to go. Um, And I wonder if you see where I'm going with this, because that's kind of the problem. If you extrapolate this out to its logical conclusion, well, it kind of raises the question. I mean, so right now, to be particular, uh, the typical commute is... Uh, you know, you walk to the ferry 10 minutes, you hop on the boat 20, 30 minutes across the bay, walk another 10 minutes to work. Okay, yeah, it's 10 or it's an hour door to door, but it's just so pleasant, you don't really even think about it. And in any event, by the way, you're getting a little bit of decent exercise by way of walking. We typically do between five to seven miles per day. Um, and so, so where I'm going with this is as follows, right? So, Yes, the ferry is super pleasant and enjoyable, but it kind of raises the question, what if there were a way, and there will be a way, what if, what if, you know, what, what if we're a few years in the future now and, and, you know, we've got autonomous cars that can literally get us A to B with full level five autonomy. So you get in your car at your house and it drives you off to work. You know, maybe it'll even be able to do it quicker than the ferry. Because then the question becomes, is it more pleasant? Well, if you're sitting in a nice, comfortable, luxurious car and you don't really have to you know, you know, might it be the case you're just not going to care about being stuck in traffic after all? I mean, it raises an interesting question to me anyway, in my mind. Would we still enjoy or in fact prefer taking the ferry? Yeah, we'll always enjoy it. Would we prefer taking the ferry over just using our own car that can get us from door to door fully autonomously? And if the answer to that is yes, even if it's only some of the time, let alone all of the time, then the question becomes, would we not in fact do that? Well, everywhere. And if that's true, then indeed, we're not going to be walking anywhere near as much as we used to walk before. And that really alarms me because, and I realize that for many of my compatriots here in America, that may sound not such a big deal, but, uh, you know, unless you talk about those, those of you living in the dense urban cities, San Francisco, New York, Boston, uh, Chicago, and so on. But let's face it, for much of the United States, driving from A to B rather than walking is the way most people get around. For those of you listening in Europe and elsewhere in the world, obviously walking is your primary mode for getting around. And that's really great. And that's obviously really healthy. And it's certainly more pleasurable. And it keeps obviously everybody healthier. So yeah, kind of looping back then the whole point of this of this segment is what in fact is going to happen with the overarching health of people around the world as autonomous cars start to trickle in. I mean, if you're going to be driving everywhere rather than walking, this is actually a really big problem. You know, somewhat on a tangential point, uh, I recently had the chance to experience one of those really admittedly very cool little electric scooters that have been popping up in cities around the world. This particular one, I believe, was by Lime. Yes, it was Lime. And this was out in, uh, I guess it was in Nashville. And... I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is actually really cool. As an aside, I find it a bit hypocritical for San Francisco to 
sort of scoop these off the streets and try to really regulate them in a time where San Francisco is in desperate need of transportation enhancements. And I remember getting on these scooters and thinking, yeah, these are really, really cool. And having gone about the city most of the day, then I had a bit of a rather sinking feeling as I realized, hmm, I've not really done any physical activity at all. And I thought about how I feel after riding a bike or walking all around a city, and it's such a pleasant feeling. You kind of end your day, you glance at your Apple Watch, for example, and you see, wow, I've just done 700, 800 calories today, six, seven, eight miles of walking, or, or even more by biking. You get off the electric scooter, you look at your watch, and maybe you've added two calories. And that's just kind of a disappointing thing as far as reaching your goals, as it were. But more importantly, that's a really bad thing because now suddenly you've got the ease, the convenience um, with which you can get about town, but at what cost to your health? And so I think this is the really big thing that needs to be addressed with autonomous cars. And indeed, um, you know, it, it's a very difficult challenge to overcome because once this becomes a regular part of our lives, like an everyday luxury to the point that it isn't even considered a luxury anymore, it's just sort of... That's just what you have. That's just the way our world works. I mean, to use a somewhat offbeat analogy, I mean, I remember reading recently that when plastic utensils and kitchenware were first produced, they were really, really expensive. They were really considered luxury. Of course, now it's gone full circle. Now, uh, obviously, plastic's inferior, rustic wood and kind of hipster-loving, you know, metal and steel and concrete things are the way to go, not, not plastic, Right. So, and I, I guess that's kind of my point is that once autonomous cars become a normal everyday thing of life, how in fact are we going to have the discipline to regulate this? Yes, obviously, I remember there was a famous scene, what was it, Back to the Future 3, you know, uh, what do y'all do for fun if you got cars to take y'all around? And the answer was, I don't know, walk, bike, exercise, exercise, you exercise for fun? And that's kind of the point, though, isn't it? Is that we did start exercising for fun, or at least by necessity, as we started to drive ourselves around more. So I guess if we try to extrapolate that out, I suppose it's possible then to hope, to be very hopeful about the future, that indeed we will make more of an effort to exercise, to walk more, to to bicycle more, I guess. But when general trends of health, at least here in the US, as far as I know, are getting worse, or at least less good, rather than better, um, or less bad, uh, you know, that's a really alarming thing. I try to kind of project that out, and I see a really unhealthy future, not a healthy one. And this has nothing to do at all without even discussing the other health issue of cars, which is, of course, just being around their emissions. I think without any doubt whatsoever, we're going to see an influx of electric cars almost in parallel with autonomous cars for sure. But the amount of time it's going to take for electric cars to sufficiently permeate the the population. I mean, again, Elon Musk really crunched the numbers quite nicely. Um, it's going to be something in the range of 40 to 80 years before it really reaches saturation. Um, I mean, 20 years would be the mathematical lower bound if all vehicle production were immediately switched to electric from conventional internal combustion engines, right? And so that's another big problem as well, is that not only are we going to be more sedentary in our lives, we're going to be around vehicles much more during our lives, right? And 
yes, again, I think autonomous cars and electric cars will be built largely in parallel, but I think certainly for quite some time still, we're going to see autonomous technology roll out in conventionally powered cars. And so you kind of look at this whole picture, you put it all together, you discover that I've been rambling on about this far too long, and you come to the conclusion that, well, this is a potentially very bad thing indeed, and something which really needs to be thought about. And I was going to use the big bad R word, regulation. No, I think that's a bit silly, but we do have to think about it individually and just kind of plan accordingly. Kind of, I think, decide in your minds now how you would act if you had a fully autonomous car from A to B. Would you abuse it? Because that's really what it comes down to. Would you abuse a good thing? I'd like to believe that we wouldn't, but um, I can't be sure. So give it some thought. Let me know what you think. I think it's a very, very important thing for us to discuss more going forward. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that if you're enjoying this podcast, you can now show your support with a small monthly donation of 99 cents per month, $4.99 or $9.99. Just head on over to Anchor.fm, the platform where I record and host this podcast, or alternatively over at MarkHogue.com, where you'll find the links there as well. Any contributions, of course, very much appreciated indeed. And of course, to those of you who have pitched in, you know who you are. Thank you so very much. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, so to wrap things up here pretty quickly today with this final segment, since we've gone a bit over on time, um, Waymo have just announced they've racked up 10 million miles of testing on public roads. If you're keeping track, they're up to 7 billion miles, including their virtual world. Again, just a reminder that Waymo does a lot of their testings. Well, clearly, 7 billion versus 10 million uh, in virtual simulation land. Uh, anyway, so this then goes hand in hand with the other breaking news that, well, Waymo is on its way to finally start rolling out paid customer actual revenue service for its autonomous taxi service uh, that it's been testing uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. So this is pretty huge. Uh, there's no particular date um, spelled out, but later this year is what we're looking at. Um, this is a really huge thing, right? So what's amazing is, and this was something that uh, was reported over at The Verge. Um, so it turns out that investment bank UBS, um, well, they anticipate self-driving taxi technology, well, self-driving tech generally could reach nearly $3 trillion by 2030, and that Waymo, which apparently has ordered some 82,000 self-driving cars, is predicted to capture a whopping 60% of that nearly $3 trillion market. I mean, this is astounding. Um, in fact, Morgan Stanley has now increased their valuation of Waymo to a whopping $178 billion, a full $80 billion of which is expected to come strictly out of its ride-hailing uh, autonomous taxi services. So this is really, I mean, this is huge stuff. This is really, really huge. And in fact, what better way to wrap up today's episode than by kind of looping back to really the description of this podcast that I launched back in February that clearly, indisputably, autonomous cars really are going to be the next greatest step change in humanity 
since the Industrial Revolution. That's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.